Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri has had the same mission for over 75 years, to train men and women for Christian service. Ozark's Bible Foundation, Christian Community, Global Outreach, and Affordable Costs prepare students to serve in whatever kingdom assignment God has for them. With residential and online degrees, Ozark sends out workers into the harvest field with 15,000 alumni serving in all 50 states and in 100 countries around the world. Ozark is also glad to offer next-level resources, free videos, and webinars for you and your church, led by Ozark professors like Michael DeFazio, Shane J. Wood, and Mark Scott. Next Level covers topics like how to read your Bible, the parables of Jesus, exploring the Enneagram, and more. For more information about Ozark Christian College, visit occ.edu. Welcome back to the Homeless Podcast. Glad you're here for another episode. Let's get to it. I'm excited to introduce to you our guest for today. His name is Trevor DeVage. He's from Christ Church in Mason, Ohio, and he is electric. This guy is electric, full of intensity, full of fire, full of holy discontent. He's a musician, a creator, a photographer, a husband, a father, a storyteller. My first exposure to Trevor was through a blog post I read of his. Um, it was entitled, uh, Five Confessions of a Messy Pastor. It kind of went viral. We shared on social media by some of our mutual friends, but he and I had never met before until this interview. But it does not take very long. It does not take very long to realize that he and I, he and I got a connection. We're going to do, we're going to do something together at some point, he and I. And um, I'm excited about this. So you're going to love this interview. You're going to love this guy. This is my new friend, Trevor DeVage. Trevor DeVage, thank you for uh, joining me on the Homilist podcast. Yeah, man, this is great. I'm looking forward to being a part of this, man. Yeah. You Just before you started recording, we were talking about other people have been on here. And I'm uh, I'm. I'm in very uh, humble, like mindset of the company that I'm in. So either you're shooting it like fish in the bottom of the barrel now, because, uh, <laughs> or or whatever. But I'm excited to be a part of it, man. Cause right. In uh, ministry or my heartbeat. So this is awesome, man. Well, let me tell you something. There's been some. There's been some really, some really great guests on here. I mean, they've all they've all had some great contribution to make. Um, but uh, there's something about you, and when. When somebody keeps bringing your name up over and over and over, did you get a hold of Trevor yet? Did you get a hold of Trevor yet? I'm like, yo, I don't, I haven't got a hold of him. I reached out to him. We're trying to connect. He's out of country. He's going to come back at some point. I'll get a hold of him. Did you get a hold of Trevor yet? Did you get, I mean, I bet you, I bet you every two weeks since I started this thing, I've got an email or a, or a text message. Did you get a hold of Trevor yet? Yeah, well, I can tell you that there's no pressure in that right there at all, man. Um, my good um, gosh. For a, side joke, a, a lot of my friends in the, especially in our movement of most people hang out with me because they feel like they need a non-Christian friend to lead to Christ. And so I, uh, they, they spend time with me to see if they can do that. So it's good. Now, maybe this is the reason why they keep saying, did you get a hold of Trevor? Yeah. Today? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah. hey, you two should get together, and maybe some Christian will find you guys and convert you both. <laughs> well, that's good. Maybe, maybe we'll somebody will hear this, and we'll both know Jesus I've, after I'm this. Be, I'm beginning good. to understand why people kept saying, "Did you get a hold of Trevor?" I think he's lost like you. I think that's yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's good. We're going to be in very good company together then. That's good. This is a. I think this is a. I think this is a setup. This. I think it's a blind date. That's what I think it is. Yeah. I think this is a blind date. We've it's been, an we've intervention, been... actually. I think there's somebody somewhere else actually listening to this right now. So. Yeah, like you know what um just for uh, for future ministry reasons we need to get these two together let's see how many cuss words they say <laughs> <laughs> see how many see how many cigar uh how many cigar um 
uh, lounges they plan on hitting together. And yeah. uh, we'll, all uh, those wonderful things. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out if we want to hire them at the next place or not. So yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. So here's what was great. What was really, really cool was um, your name was brought up. Hey, get a hold of Trevor DeVage. He would be a really great one. And uh, just shortly after that is when your um, your blog, your blog post that just kind of went viral. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the uh, was that the five uh, I did two I think I did two of them back to back the the five confessions of a messy pastor. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that kind of that kind of took off by storm. I didn't really anticipate that. You know how you do something and you just think, man, I'm just sharing my heart. <laughs> you know, um, and then all of a sudden it just kind of blows up and you don't you don't anticipate it. And um, you know, I think when you try to be viral, it, it's it's not really viral. That's just convoluted. Um, but just I, I think what I learned through that was just authenticity. People just uh, and I, I think a lot of pastors, fair and unfair, don't feel like they can be that honest. And I've just I've learned more often than not. I've built an entire ministry career off of authenticity. Hmm. Um, and I've learned some people don't like that and some people do. So yeah. <laughs> um, but I think pastors in general, we got to have a space where we can be honest and uh I'm just who I am. So most people either they really like me or they really don't. Um, yeah. I wish I wish it wasn't that way uh, a lot of times, but um, that, that's just kind of the world in which we live, you know. So, um, yeah, that's cool. It's cool you brought that up, man, because I I was watching the numbers on that thing in analytics, you know, and I'm just like, what is going on? Like, I forgot about it. I posted it, walked away <laughs> and I was doing some traveling in that same time frame. And like I, I use uh, Squarespace or not Square, it's Squarespace. Yeah, I use Squarespace. <laughs> website and so i get analytic notifications and like i'm my phone blew up man i was like what's happened did i did i like i do something i wasn't supposed to like did i break the internet you know i felt like wreck it ralph for like a little bit um and then i realized it was this post it was a bunch of pastors man really around the country and i was really cool to see how church people responded to it too because um i don't think the average church person it's not it's not a bad statement i just don't think they have a clue um how hard ministry really is. And I don't think the average pastor that gets into it knows that either. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, um, at least nobody told me that. <laughs> right. So yeah. uh, I knew the call was big, but I didn't realize how hard some of this stuff really, really is. Yeah. And what you don't, what you, what you forget about is just the subtlety, the subtlety of how hard it yeah. is. And that sounds strange to say it that way, but the, the things that balancing that internal mechanism of pleasing people and telling the truth and you would yep. think you're like, oh, that's not hard. Like I'm kind of a punk when it comes to that kind of thing. You know, I, yep. mean, I mean, I can kind of be, you know, you're gonna have to get over it. You're gonna have to, move. but it doesn't mean that it alleviates the weight of feeling right. like you got to, you're going to let people down feeling like, um, there's higher expectations on you than you can actually accomplish, um, yep. dealing with the depression stuff. One of the questions that I've asked a lot of these guys <clears throat> uh, on this podcast is how do we balance uh, family breakdown, marriage breakdown, yeah. kid breakdown in the middle of trying to lead a church because so much of that can be, there's this, um, stigma maybe yeah. or to where you got to have it figured out, Trevor, you got to have it figured out. If you're going to be the guy that's going to stand up front and do this kind of deal, then your kids better be good. Your marriage better be good. You better have all the answers to everything. <laughs> and yeah. if we weren't on this podcast, I would explain this a different way, but, um, you listen to people tell you that you're good or you listen to people tell you you're a great leader or a great speaker or a great creator and you listen to that and then something weird happens on the inside. I mean, it's, it goes back. I mean, it's, 
it goes back to the garden. There's a snake yeah. and there's some fruit and there's yeah. a lady and somebody's saying some stuff. And for whatever reason, I'm starting to believe maybe I am the cat's meow. Maybe I yeah, am the beast. Start buying your own hype, man. Um, Eat your own bull crap, you know. Yeah. Like that's out yeah. of control, you know. So the problem is you put sprinkles on it and you think it tastes good until you get into the center of it, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, and that's, you know, and I think that the one thing I think I've I've had to wrestle through. I kind of I wrestle on both sides of the spectrum. This is the schizophrenia of ministry. Right. So uh, I wrestle on the side of like gut check all the time. Like I've got people around me that, man, I'm in a mentor group of guys from around the country that we meet a couple times a year. We're on a text thread together all the time. Um, Some of the best guys in the church. I know you ought to have uh, every one of those guys on this. I mean, they're unbelievable guys. Uh, But I love that we can get together and man, we can talk each other off the ledge or we can kick each other in the butt. And we've got full, like full access to do that to one another. Um, I think the other side I deal with is when people start telling me how great I am, I know how great I'm not. Um, And I don't know if that's now I've turned this. uh, I know it sounds like so cliche, but I'm, you know, I'm 40 years old now. And so, uh, but I think that uh, I'm at a place now where I'm like, I know all my crap and I know what I'm not good at. And when people start blowing smoke at me, um, I, I find people really, my wife's the best at this of just reminding me of here's what you're really awesome at. Um, yeah, I don't know what they're seeing. Cause that's not you at all. And I'm like, okay, good. I just want to make sure I'm still in reality. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. but it, it's, it's one of those, I think now I lean the other direction of, man, I know I'm not that great. And, um, and I have the privilege of stand on large platform a lot and talk and, you know, people just see that they see you talk and they see you engage and they see you funny. Um, but I think, I think for me, that balance is that we never stand on our platform here and tell people we got our crap together. Um, in fact, I'm the antithesis of that. I, I let people know, I'm like, man, if you're going to come to our church, we've said this from the platform. I'm like, our family's not perfect. My wife and I, like if we're having, if my wife's having a bad morning, I'm not expecting her to walk into church and be the perfect pastor's wife, whatever that is. Um, I don't think that exists, but it, we could debate that a whole day. But uh, if my wife's having a bad day, I need my wife to be able to have a bad day and it's okay. If my kids are a hot mess in the hallway and I got two daughters, so there's a good chance one of them's going to be a hot mess when they walk in the building. Um, and one's 15 tomorrow and one's going to be 13 this fall. Uh, I mean, there's a good chance that they're going to have an off day. Um, and I'm not going to put any undue pressure on my kids or my wife to have to be something that somebody thinks they should be um, because I don't put that on myself um, in front of our church. And so what's really cool is our church has embraced that um, over the last it took some time. But over the last seven years of being here uh, and I told the elders, uh, I, this may be a rabbit trail, but when I was interviewing, they were like, is there anything in your life that d- would disqualify you from ministry? And I was like. Yes. Everything in my life disqualifies me from ministry. So does yours. Uh, and, and one of the guys was like, that's the best answer I've ever heard. And I'm like, I don't know the best truth. Like, I'm not going to lie to you and say that, no, man, there's nothing in my life that disqualifies me. Sin disqualifies me from ministry. Um, so, yes, absolutely. So if you guys are not good with me being like, if you want the Messiah, don't hire me because I suck at it. Um but if you want a human being that's trying to figure all this out with you and my family's allowed to figure it out too, then we're good, you know? And so, but it's a hard balance, man. Like, and I think now more than ever, you know, I've had a couple acquaintances commit suicide that are in the ministry over the last two years. And I'm sure you've seen all that as well. And um, I, it's a real deal, man. Like the schizophrenia of ministry. I don't think people understand the, the toll that it takes on you mentally. I just don't think they get it. 
Yeah. I don't think we get it, honestly. Yeah. Um, so not to chase a bunch of rabbits. <clears throat> no, that's great. Well, it's like I told you, you know, whatever, whatever makes you tick. That's, I mean, I'm, I want to, I want to talk about that. You know I mean? Yeah. That's uh, yeah. And you're, you're hundred percent right. You know, I'm in a, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm in a, um, I'm in a, a Bible study with, with several, several young men from our church, uh, 20, 25 to 30. Isn't it uh, funny that that's young now? I know it's a. I'm the old dude. I'm 41 in the Bible study. Like I was the stud. Like when I showed up, I was the young stud. You know, 10 years ago. I got people on my staff that could be my kids now. It's crazy. (laughs) So funny. Yeah, I was like, I'm sitting in it. So we're talking about a Bible study the other day, and this 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 material suggested, you know, you need to get a guy, need to get some guys underneath you who are at the, who are at the the earlier seasons of life and then you need to get some people around you who are kind of at the later seasons of life and it's funny because you know there's like the 25 to 28 group and then there's the 31 year old guy and then there's the 41 year old guy and they were all like well you know they looked at my buddy who's 31 well we got you you know we can talk about and then he kind of turns and looks at me and he's like you're the old one like you are (laughs) you're the one you're the one that's in the fall you're supposed to be wise now bro you're supposed to be wise (laughs) i'm like listen Here's what's going on right now. I know less about what's going on in the world than I did 10 years ago. Uh-oh. Well, I it's... literally just said, literally just said to a guy two weeks ago, I'm dumber at 40 than I was at 20. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh-huh. No, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't go back. You know, no, no, not at all. I wouldn't go back. But boy, there was some comfort in in thinking that I actually knew some stuff versus where I am now to where I'm like, Oh, I would have no. kicked twenty. I would have kicked twenty-year-old me's butt. I, I mean, Absolutely. I would. I'd be like, bro, you're an idiot. Stop talking. Listen more. Like, you don't know everything about the church. You don't know everything about life. Um, here I am doing youth ministry, giving parenting advice, and I didn't have any kids. I'm like, <laughs> I, seriously. Uh, so it, it's just it's funny. My hindsight, you know, is always is always brilliant but uh yeah it's really funny man yeah for sure. well you know it's sitting in sitting in those groups so i've got this early morning this early morning bible study with these young dudes and then i've got this group to where there's a couple of elders from my church and there's some other guys who've come in just older guys and i go to that meeting and that is a I mean, that's a very cathartic meeting as well, because I get to see these young guys and they're amping up talking about, we're going to have a baby and we don't know what we're going to do. And I'm like, yeah. you know, I got a, I got a, I got a 15 year old and I got a 12 year old and you know, it's like, wait till you get a 15 and a 12 year old, you know, yep, you that's where I'm ba- living right now, bro. Today. Exactly right. <laughs> you know, we just went, we just went to prom for the first time bro, this year. I don't like those words. I Yo, don't like he it. Sh- hey, he shows up at the door. And he's a dapper son of a gun. I mean, a dapper looking guy. And I'm looking at him like, and he starts talking. And I'm thinking to myself, man, he's a bright kid. He's a sharp kid. <laughs> he's 17. He yeah. knows nothing. Yeah, and you know? I remember being 17 and being kind of quick on my feet. And I'm like, I, I know you, bro. Like, I'm you. Uh, and if, you know, I, I've got my, my daughters are beautiful. I got two daughters and, um, it's funny. Cause I, when I go to the high school, I do some character leadership classes over there and I, I teach, uh, I preach for the football team's chapels and, um, but I walk in, I'm usually wearing a black t-shirt, black jeans. I've got almost full sleeves on both arms and I usually wear a black, like flat bill. And, yeah. uh, I walk, my daughter is hilarious cause she loves it, but I, I walk in and I'm like, I told her, I said, you know what, daddy looks like a felon. I said, because I want every boy in this school to think I might be postal enough 
<laughs> to kill them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and if they mess with you, I want them to know I'm coming hard. <laughs> the, the message, the message I get back from my daughter, she says, uh, all the guys in my class say, man, Mr. Ellis is a beast. I'm like, keep it up. Yep. You that's just exactly keep up the beast. That's exactly what we're, what we're looking for. What we're shooting, that's why I mean mugging when I go in there. You know, that's why I mean mugging. Don't think taught, I'm not. I taught a character leadership class, I think, uh, last semester. And I stood in front of the class. And, and I, I, the coach I, that teaches the class, so I was like, don't tell them what I do. And uh, a couple of kids knew. But uh, I walked in. I said, hey, some of you guys may know my daughter. Her name's Ella. And they, they, some of them nod their heads. And I said, hey, to any of you guys in here. Um, you don't know what I do for a living. And I said, no, you know, I just got out of jail. I said, but I can promise you this. I love Jesus. And if you mess with my daughter, you're going to meet him a whole lot faster. And everybody kind of nervous laughed in the room. And I was like, <laughs> I'm still not laughing. Um, and Ella came out and she was like, dad, that was awesome. Thanks for saying that. And I was like, yeah, that a girl. That's you, good. That's as good. long as she's happy with dad threatening people, I'm good. That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's so great. That's my, from our interview, but uh, no, man, this is great. I, un- I I understand now. I understand exactly why it was get with Trevor, get with Trevor. There's a kindred spirit with Trevor. You need to get with Trevor. Yeah, see, so we're gonna, great. you and I need to start like the Rebel Yell podcast of pastors. Absolutely, man. absolutely. You say when, <laughs> you say when, because we uh, can. Hey, you have no idea how legitly, seriously, jokingly, I'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you make the phone call, pal. You make the phone call, and this thing's a done deal. We'll you know? figure it out, man. <laughs> it's a so done deal. What else you want to sift through, man? Because we got so much good stuff. I know. I, I know you don't have a lot of time either. Um, no, we'll work it out, man. I, I, I'll sift through with you as long as we can push the envelope a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the number one the number one thing here when it comes to the ministry side, you know, when I talk about when we talk about the depression aspect, we talk about the anxiety of ministry. We talk about just the just the weight that it can really put on a guy, and yeah. you know that that's so crazy because of what Jesus says, you know. My burden is light, you know, yeah. and it's kind of like, why does it not feel that way? And I must be doing some part of this on my own. You know, I must be yeah. doing some part of this on my own. Um, going to those kind of meetings, just like what, where your situation is, you know, in, in your church and you got people who will check you on stuff and be in your life. You know, that's what that's what I'm experiencing. And you know what? I'm in a smaller church. I'm in a church of you know, 175, 200 people. And these people are wide open, letting me be me, you know, that's awesome, bro. I mean, when they hired me, I said to them, I look, I'm not in a good place. You don't, you, this is not, I'm not ready. I've been in ministry, but I've been out a while. I'm not in a good spot. They're like, Oh, that is so honest. You're going to do so great at this. I'm like, what? What? (laughs) That's why you need to be there, bro. Because they've embraced that, man. That's so cool. It's such a healthy place, full of young men, you know, just young studs, and and uh, and that's been such a good deal. And I I always feel bad for those guys who get out there in ministry, and they get in that place to where they got to meet that expectation. Whoever's making that expectation, you know, is that what you think is going on? Yeah, I I mean, I think sometimes we put it on ourselves. You know, I, I think in the church world, especially. Uh, and I think it's this way in corporate world. We just we don't talk about it in church world, and uh, I think that we put this. We look around and, you know, people look at like I look at churches of like I'm friends with Brockett. You talked about Aaron Brockett. Um, Man, I've watched Aaron blow up Traders Point in the last five, six years. I mean, it's just gone crazy. And it's I think we put these expectations on ourselves of if my church isn't blowing up in the first five years, um, then I'm not successful um, or I'm doing something wrong. Uh, But then I got guys that look at our church and we're running a couple thousand and they'll go. 
man, we, we, gosh, if we could just get there, there's no number that you're there because uh, it just never, the cycle of, once you get on the success train, you got to always one up yourself. Um, And I think we're carrying burdens of success that we weren't ever meant to carry. Um, You know, that's why, like we stopped, I stopped reporting numbers to Outreach Magazine and the Christian Standard. And they they call me every year and they're like, hey, why don't you send us your numbers? And I, I finally just went like, it doesn't bother me that people do. It's not good for my soul because mm. my name will be on a list that I'm going to look at and go, I'm missing the mark because there's 30 churches in front of me. That's so not healthy. Um, that That's, you know, there's an expectation we put on ourselves that that bigger means healthy. That's not necessarily true. Um, I had a friend once, I can't remember who said it now. Um, you know, know, I used to like, if, if you read something one time, you're like that person once said, and then you can't remember. So you're like, I always say, Um, (laughs) but I heard a friend of mine and I can't remember where the context, but he said, it's like pastors get together and they have chinus envy. They stand around and talk about how big their churches are. And, uh, and so now when I hang out with people, it's funny since that moment, people are like, so how's your church doing? And I know what the question means. Right. And uh, I've started asking the question completely different. It's just, man, how are you doing? Uh, because that question that they usually start, man, the church is doing really good. I said, I didn't ask you how your church is doing. How are you doing? Yeah. Uh, because I don't give a rip how your church is doing, because if you're not healthy, your church will eventually follow. Um, and if you are healthy, your church will eventually follow. Uh, and so I, I think we put a lot of pressure on church health and we don't put a lot of pressure on pastor health. And I've got my elders, man, they love me. They, they make margin in my life. I get a study break every summer. Um, like I, I can call them any day and go, Hey, I, I need to take a couple of days and go. They're like, why are you calling us? Right. Do what you need to do to be healthy. We want you in for 30 years, not for 30 minutes. And so, uh, but I know a lot of guys don't have that. And, and there's a lot of guys on the Island and there's a lot of guys isolated and there's guys in churches, your size, um, that are desperate, man, they're grabbing for straws and, their church doesn't support them. Their elders don't support them. They they put a standard in place that they've yeah. got to be the preacher, the secretary, the youth minister, the children's minister. They got to make every hospital call, do every wedding, do every funeral. Um, and then they wonder why they're preaching struggles. They they have like an hour a week to give to it. Yeah, you know. And um, I'm I'm in a place, thankfully, where man, I've got I've got a team that's awesome. I've got elders that are awesome. I don't I don't have to do all of those things. Uh, but it's hard, man, when you feel the pressure to have to do everything, um, Jesus wasn't, Jesus was Jesus and he didn't do all that. You know, he empowered people. Uh, but I think the mental health of pastors, it's coming into the light, which is good. I think for a long time, it was just swept under a rug and guys were having moral failures and they were blaming it on, you know, all sorts of things, but they didn't want to, the church didn't want to take responsibility for maybe we've not helped this. We didn't cause it, but maybe we didn't help it. Um, you know, and so I, Anytime I can get with pastors, I don't care what size their church is. I mean, I I hang out with guys in churches of, of 20, 30,000 people, and I hang out with guys in churches of 50 people. And there there's unhealth on both sides of those equations. And at the end of the day, you realize we're just all a bunch of human beings trying to not screw this up. <laughs> yeah. We just had this conversation the other day with a, uh, with, uh, with a group of guys, and we were talking about how, you know— uh, in our in our twenties and our thirties, it's all about how good you look doing it. Yeah. And then once you get to forty, at least for me, maybe even thirty-five, once you kind of get to that place, you forget of all about 
do I look good doing it because the the scoreboard's gone? We're not playing yeah. with bats and balls anymore. Now we're swinging swords because this mother wants to kill us. You know, I oh, mean, this thing oh, yeah. is. I mean, it's like, trying to take us down, and so we just got to finish. Like we just have to finish this thing. You know, does that that resonate with yeah, you? Well, that that's why my favorite scripture is Jude twenty three: rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. And I've I've, I've literally said it again Sunday. Um, I tell our church almost on a weekly, if not monthly basis, if you don't smell like smoke, then you're not doing it right. Right. If you're not if you're not so close to the pits of hell, snatching people away, if this is just a Kiwanis club for you, this is not the church for you. Right. Um, if you want just a social membership somewhere, go join a country club. Uh, they probably got a pool and it's probably a lot bigger than ours. Um, you know, so I'm like, uh, I, we're not in this for I think that I think the older I'm getting and I, that's funny to say at 40 because some people are like, oh, you're just a young kid. And I'm like, I don't know. My body tells me differently this morning. But yeah. um the older I get, the more I realize that this thing has an end date and uh, I don't know when that end date is. So I better make sure I'm lopping off as many heads to get people rescued as possible. And I just I don't I don't have time to play church anymore. And and I'm, there's a lot of people playing church. There's not a lot of people that are the church. And what's well, Trevor, you realize you realize that with an attitude like that and talking to people like that, you might not uh, you might not. Uh, boost your numbers up very high if you keep talking truth like that. Yeah, the problem is Jesus was the worst church growth strategist <laughs> on the planet. Um, I remember John 6, I think, was it like verse like 65, 66, where, yeah, yeah. I mean, hundreds have walked away. And he looks at the 12, he's like, y'all going to leave too? And <sighs> I just laugh at that statement because uh, you. I think there was a question that like you sent me like some uh-huh. pre-question. Uh, I think Jesus is funny everywhere in scripture. There's not like just one moment but like that moment even is funny to me that Jesus, because he knows our hearts and he's like, y'all out too, because if you're just go ahead and leave if you're gone. But this is the cost of discipleship. Mm-hmm. And today, if Jesus were growing a church a day, he would have like the consultants would be coming in going, Jesus, you're not doing this right. Like, and man, you need you need to accept those people where they are and you need to, hey, back off on your truth a little bit to get them in the door. And I'm like, Man, I don't know. I think truth is truth no matter how you slice it. So, And here's what I'm finding more and more. The more we tell the truth, the more people want to hear it. Absolutely. That's the dichotomy. Absolutely. Um, you know, and we're dealing with all sorts of things culturally today that I didn't deal with in student ministry. I didn't deal with as a kid. Like, I, We're dealing with gender issues. We're dealing with you know, marriage. Like marriage has been redefined. Um, you know, uh, Things that were taboo are now like totally acceptable. And so um, – it's funny because people, I, I'm, you probably get this too. People look at me and think, oh, he's probably liberal and he's probably, you know, he's probably soft peddling the gospel. And um, the reality is, is that I may look like I got a little bit of this liberal edge, but actually I'm, I'm actually pretty massively conservative when it comes to theology. Right. Um, I, I just don't, I don't <laughs> talk politics because I didn't come to win people to a politician. I came to win them to Jesus and I just don't have time to do that. Um, so if people want me to tell them who to vote for, um, I don't know, vote for the person, I guess that you resonate with, but I, I don't, I'm not going to stand on stage and tell you to vote for, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Um, I'm not electing a, a pastor. I'm electing a president when politician stuff rolls around. I just, I don't care enough to waste my breath on that from a platform, right. um, social media or a physical platform. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really think, you know, when you start telling the truth, here's what it weeds out. It doesn't weed out people far from God. It weeds out those that claim to be close to him. Agreed. And, um, a lot of the people that I offend are usually church people that have been in this for 30, 40 years. And when you start pressing against the things that they've held as their theology of truth and you realize really quickly it's just pharisaical, 
they 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 either change their ways, which is I've seen very rarely, or they go somewhere else where they can continue to live that out. And I, I'm sure they're going to be in heaven. I don't question that. Um, I'm just not sure which section. Um, I, you know, I <laughs> we're all going to be there. I tell people all the time, man, we lost somebody to another church, not to to hell. Um, if I'm going to lose you to hell, I'll chase after you. If I lose you to another church, okay, we live in a country where there's one on every corner. Go for it. I love you. Um, That's right. but it's it's hard man truth the truth for people that have claimed truth for so long is and i don't i'm not saying i got it all right like i'm learning every day i've got less right i've i've got (laughs) the other way um but i what i do know is this is i spend more time with jesus now than i ever have which is an indictment on me early on in ministry absolutely Um, you know i i realize that prayer is the linchpin of all things we do um you know, and that if I'm healthy, my church will get healthy. And if I'm not healthy, my church will eventually not be healthy. Are you or someone you know wanting to make a difference with your life, but you're not sure where to start? At Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri, they help students discover the kingdom assignment that God has for them and then train them to carry it out. Ozark prepares students for all kinds of Christian service, biblical communication, biblical justice, youth and children's ministry, counseling, missions, organizational leadership, worship and creative arts, and much more. Ozark's close community, Bible foundation, and commitment to service prepare students to take the gospel to every corner of the globe as ambassadors for Christ. And Ozark's affordable tuition offers a quality private Christian education at a public university price. Ozark Christian College, your mission is out there. Your training starts here. Absolutely right. Where the other side is when you're when you're not when you're healthy and people are there that think they're healthy, but they're actually sick. Um, they're like, I'm gonna go find a different doctor. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that's fine. You can go find a different doctor. Your symptoms are going to be the same mm-hmm. until you get healthy. Um, and, you know, like I, I, I don't know if you saw it yesterday. I, I posted uh, a blog yesterday. There's a couple in our church. Yeah. Um, and dude, it's hilarious, man. They got these two Great Danes, three pit bulls. Um, I mean, their story is as raw as the day is long. I mean, they um, they're coming in from addiction. Um, right. They're cleaning their dogs, help with their recovery. Dude, you ought to go watch their their videos, man. These dogs are they're humans, man. They're hilarious. That's uh, they've got uh, three hundred fifty thousand followers on Facebook, and uh, it's crazy. Um, but here's what's happening. So, and one thing I do want to unpack with you that I'm really excited about is our online campus stuff that we're doing because we're it's just super cool what's happening there. But What's happening as a result of their ministry of honesty is people that had never darkened the doors of a church are coming to our online campus in droves right now Wow! Uh, from all over the country. And they're like, this is my church because I'm on their board, but I, I became a part of their board because I just, and they're doing some, so much good stuff. And I'm right. like, they're like, they, they tried to raise money to get vet bills paid for one of their dogs through their fan base. They needed eight grand. They raised like $35,000 in like two hours. Dog people crazy, man. Yeah. Um, I'm like, man, I need a dog and need it. Absolutely. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, but they, what happened was out of that. They were like, we can't keep this money. Like we need to do something. So now they're starting a recovery program. Their ultimate goal is a recovery home um, that brings in people in recovery to pair with dogs that need recovery and they recover each other. Um, all, all with the gospel bent. So uh, as we're, but as I'm processing through that, I'm like, man, they came into our church just on a whim of an invite Week one, they sign up for Rooted, which is our discipleship pathway. Um, it's a 10-week experience. The day one they were here, they signed up for it. Out of that, they were both baptized. Out of that, now they're just bringing people. Like, 
and, and I'm like, they're going, Hey, they're, we were sick and now we're not. And it wasn't because of me. I, I had very minimal to do with that. Um, but to come into a place where they found health in the people leading, um, then they're like, we can get healthy here. We're not going to get more sick here. We can get healthy here. Um, and so when I start seeing like people that claim to be well infecting other people, uh, I lose my ever loving mind because I'm like, you need to, I love you, but you got to go. Um, and that's not popular either. I mean, people, people don't like pastors to say that we're supposed to love everybody. Um, I can love you. I don't have to like you, um, over there. Yeah, I, I can love you from across the street. I mean, I can, yeah, right. I can, I can love you from, uh, you know, uh, yeah. and I, I don't I don't mean to sound as harsh as it is, but I'm sure, in a place now where I'm just like, you know what? Life's too short. There's not a lot of time. And I'm going to snatch as many people as possible with me from the flames of judgment that I can. Um, and so that's, you know, uh, again, uh, you start telling truth and people people will start coming for truth. But if you as a pastor and I love what you just shared that story, is, but if you as a pastor are not healthy your church can be healthy and you can be unhealthy. And eventually the health of your church will not raise the health of the pastor. Your health of the pastor will bring down the health of the church. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. Right. So what are you doing online? What's, what's your online thing that you're, Man, I got to tell you, because I, I I had this epiphany a couple of years ago. I came from Dallas, great church in Dallas, Compass Christian Church. Um, and I was a part of helping grow multi-site there. Now, I think they're on six sites or seven sites. And um, it's in-person preaching at every location. And that's really where I got to start preaching on a regular was there. And um, very healthy model. And, you know, we were building buildings and meeting in schools and it, great stuff. Um, I came to Cincinnati with a pretty good gauge of how multi-site works. I oversaw multi-site for a couple of years. And so a couple of years in here, we kind of had a golden opportunity, you know, one of those opportunities in church world where it drops in your lap and you're like, okay, this is way too good not to jump on this. And uh, so we took the risk, we did it, raised a quarter million dollars to do it. Um, and then it failed miserably. Now there was a lot of factors in why it failed miserably that I won't get into on here, but at the end of the day, it just, it didn't work. Um, so, uh, but in the, in the process of that, we weren't doing anything online at the time other than just posting sermons two days after I preached, you know, <laughs> um, typical what it, most churches are doing. And, um, I just had, I woke up in the middle of the night when I'm like, are we making this more complicated than we need to with this multi-site thing? And I start Googling, like, I know like, like Groeschel has the, their online campus and, um, they're kind of pioneers in that and community Christian up in Naperville has it. And, uh, a lot of people are doing online stuff, but I was like, is anybody doing anything in the realm of like house campuses or micro churches? And I couldn't find anything. So I called this guy, Joey, who's now our online campus guy. But at the time he was working at another church. And I said, man, I just think it's crazy. We spend anywhere from $350,000 a half a million dollars to start a multi-site campus. You got to staff it. You got to have space. You got overhead. You've got equipment. I'm like, is it un, is it unfeasible to reach a demographic of people now, an entire generation that is online all the time? Is it possible to engage them in real engagement online? And we started dreaming. I was like, what if we start a house campuses where you got 10, 15, 20, maybe 30 people in your living room? You invite them over. You have brunch. Um, we talk to you before service. We talk to you after service. We have online Bible study during the week. Um, and the ultimate dream would be to go to these different houses a couple times a year and preach from their living room back to our main campus in Mason. Um, so we start kicking this around. I was like, man, we need to hire a guy. And then I realized I had the guy sitting in my office. I was like, why don't you just come work for me? And, um, to his credit, he said yes. And I didn't let off. Um, and so here we are a year and a half in and, and here's what we're seeing. And we do like a lot of churches with online ministry. It's not right or wrong. It's just, they do (laughs) a 
an average. They'll do like two people to every device, three people to every device. Um, we do one to one. So unless you tell us how many people are with you, we just count you as one person. Um, we also don't count you unless you're on for at least 25 minutes. Um, a lot of people, if you hit their website for a minute, you get counted. Um, I'm sorry, pastors, if you hear this and I just called you out, but um, uh, that's that's asinine. Stop doing that. Click, click, uh, click, 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 click. Yeah, that's why your outreach numbers are so big in the magazine. Um, uh, you may have to edit this later. I'm sorry. Um, nope, I will most certainly not do that. <laughs> uh, but so on a given weekend, we we know that we've had for at least 25 minutes somewhere in the neighborhood of probably probably a thousand people, close to a thousand people online with us. Um, and most experts would tell you we've probably got closer to three or four thousand people with us on a weekend. Uh, but what I love about it is, is not what's happening inside the service. But, man, we are seeing we've had we had a guy from California who grew up Hindu, uh, met one of our members on a plane, started attending online. Uh, went through 10-week Bible study with our online campus pastor on Monday nights at 8 o'clock. Um, then he went through our foundations class online. Uh, and then he wanted to get baptized. And we were like, bro, we will come to California and baptize you. And he was like, no, I want to come to Ohio. And I'm like, no, we live in Ohio. Let us come to California. And he was like, I've never been in a church in my life, and I want to come to my church. So he flew from California to here, um, stayed with the guy he met on the plane. That guy baptized him. Um, and... It, it, but there's people who'll be like, well, online's not real ministry. Those aren't real people. I'm like, well, I can tell you he is. Um, I can tell you the seven other people that have come here to get baptized from all over the country are real people. And I can tell you the seven house campuses we have, six in Ghana, Africa, where there's been probably 75 people baptized this year. Um, and the the house church in Pakistan, where there's like 70 people crammed into a, looks like a bombed out building with a laptop. And they're singing with us and worshiping with us. Um, man, it's just, it's as real as it gets. And so I, I had this epiphany a couple of years ago. And I don't know, where did you go to college, Jared? I went to Ozark Christian, Ozark Christian Ozark. College. So I went, I went to Lincoln and you were probably there about the same time I was. I was 97 yeah. to 01. Um, and I remember when I got to college, I don't know if you experienced this at Ozark, but all we were talking about was two things, postmodernism um, and, and, and Gen X, which was my generation. And I'm the last year of Gen X. In fact, I think they've relabeled us. I think I'm something else now, but yeah. um, I'm staying with Gen X. And I remember they were talking about how to reach my generation. And I thought I raised my hand in some class, you know, here I am this punk freshman. And I was like, um, so what about the generation behind us? They didn't have a name yet. I was like, cause if you haven't reached me by now, you're probably not going to reach me. <laughs> And all I got was, man, we got to reach Gen X. And I was like, that's not a good enough answer for me. And now here we are, fast forward 20 years, and we're now talking about um, how we miss millennials and we miss Gen X. Um, and now all we're talking about how to reach millennials, millennials are 19 to 36 now. Um, and so I'm not saying throw them out. I'm just saying now I'm looking at my kids who are this Gen Z and nobody's talking about them. Nobody's doing anything. So I just I told our guys, I said, we're going to focus on that generation because they're they're becoming adults this next year. Um, I'm like, so let's let's focus on them. Let's keep ministering to millennials. Let's pray to God. Gen Xers want to be a part of this. Um, and baby boomers are going to be gone in the next 20 years. Um, I'm like, so let's focus on Gen Z. So we've just focused all of our energy on how can we how can we more effectively reach into this space and redeem online? Um, and what's crazy is like, uh, this is where pastors, they'll lean in because they, they're like, Oh, your numbers, whatever. Um, we brought in over $120,000 in the last year from people that don't live in our state, our country have ever darkened the doors of our building. So pastors, if you don't think it's real, uh, 
there's a stat for you because most of us care about what the finances look like. Um, my overhead was 15 grand is what it cost me to launch online. Um, now we've got a staff member that oversees it, but he oversees a bunch of other things. Um, but, but here's where I'm at with it is I think pastors have a vanity issue. Um, and I was one of them where if you don't have seats actually filled in your building, they must not count. Um, and I came to this place where I'm like, if I could reach 50,000 people in the next two years and change a little bit of what I do, or I could reach 5,000 people in the next five years and I have to change a lot of what we do, which is better. rather spend less money and reach more people. So, um, so we, we could legitimately reach 50,000 people pretty easily, I think, in the next two years. Um, real people. They're not fake people. Uh, but every time we've – it's funny. When I started rolling this idea out with a lot of pastors, that, large church pastors, they looked at me. They're like, yeah, but we really care about people getting to one of our campuses. And I'm like, oh, you, oh this of is about you. Do. This is not about them. This is about you. Um, and they started looking at me like I had worms growing out of my face when I started talking about this stuff. Um, and I felt like a unicorn for a while. Like it was like, oh, I, maybe I'm an idiot. And then I was like, oh, or maybe we're onto something that nobody else is seeing yet. Um, now what's funny is here we are a year and a half later. And I sent, I just sent Joey to like three of the largest churches in the country. It's just funny. We got churches like 15, 16, 17 times bigger than us asking how to do online ministry. I just laugh because they're like, well, we've got like a million dollars. I'm like, well, get rid of that. You don't need that. I, uh, I've got an iPhone. Uh, it works great. Um, <laughs> you know, but I mean, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of setup that we've done in the background of this, but, um, now we've got, um, I think we've got 45 people on zoom calls during the week. It's face to face like this doing Bible study together, um, from all over the globe. Um, we've got facilitators, we've got 24 hour chat. So if you're having an issue at two in the morning, I promise you, if you get online on our site, it's going to kick to somebody and you're going to get to chat with somebody live and like, like that. Um, I come in pre-service and post-service and engage our online campus. I talk to them. Um, they can ask me questions. I can give them answers. We engage one another. Like I do a Facebook live thing on Sunday mornings from right here in my office. And it's funny how many of them are on early. Um, I've learned online church people show up to church actually early, um, where regular church people walk in 10 minutes later with their coffee in their hand. Um, it's just been very interesting to watch. Um, so this year we're actually going to start going to some of these houses and like actually preaching from their living room back to our main, main campus. Um, and I think that's going to be a game changer because we want them to understand you are a part of us. You, you are the church. And, um, I just have become way less concerned about how many seats I fill in a building and way more concerned about how many people we can reach in the shortest amount of time. Um, and so like there'd be people that could say, well, this isn't a real conversation because you guys are just looking at each other on a video screen. Well, I would argue this is probably one of the best conversations I've had with somebody in quite a while. Um, yeah. And I, I, I would have zero qualms. Like I'm just, I, the rebel yell podcast things in my head right now from where yeah. I said that earlier. Yeah. yeah. But like we could probably start a full podcast right now and have never been in the same room together. And uh, you know what I'm saying? It, it like, might, it might, that might, and that might need to be the point. Like that might even, that might even sell even better. The fact that I've never seen you face to face. Right. And this is a, this is, a, this is a really good conversation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, and so we're, we're just learning, like I can launch. So now I got a bar here locally. A, a guy in our church owns a bar. It's one, it's called the monkey bar. And it's like, it's a kind of historical landmark and he's blown it up. I mean, it's doing awesome. Uh, this summer we're putting a house campus in his bar. Um, uh, there's 40 TVs. He's not open till noon. 
Um, so for the first month, we're just going to say we're going to try to get 20, 20, 30 people from our campus here in Mason. It's about, I don't know, about 10 minutes away. Um, and it's going to be the location for people that won't come to a church. So we're going to say uh, here's the only stipulation. If you go bring one person with you that won't go to church. Um, and for the first month, there's a food truck here called the brunch truck. We're going to have it there. We're going to pay for brunch for anybody to come to church for the first month. Um, and just, just love on those people in a digital format where they can walk in. And the owner was so funny. He was like, could I serve like mimosas? I'm like, I don't care what you serve. Um, like I want people to love Jesus. And if a mimosa or bloody Mary gets them in the door discounted, bring them. I don't care. Um, and I'm sure somebody will send me an email about that. That'll hear this later. That's fine. Um, I, I get emails about crap all the time. Um, but the reality is all things, all people so that somebody know Christ. Um, and, and so we're just, we're now we're going into places like that. There's an upscale karaoke bar in downtown Cincinnati that one of our members is part owner in. I'm like Saturday nights. That thing is banging. I mean, it's called Tokyo kitty. So that only tells you what it's like. Um, like, I feel like it's kind of some weird strip club, but it's right. not a bar. <laughs> right. Um, but they're going to like potentially promote with cards on Saturday night while karaoke is going on for us. Come back tomorrow morning. If you're looking for a church, that's unlike any other church you've been a part of. So um, cool. so, but what is that? So here's, so here's what it cost me to start an online campus at my buddy's bar. Zero. Right. At the very most, I buy an Apple TV. <laughs> I just launched right. the campus. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, like my, I don't know if you know Brad Prunty or Nick Plasman. They're up in One Line Church in uh, Wheaton. And I know the I know the name Prunty. Yeah, yeah. You need those guys on here. They would be okay. they're rock stars. Um, but they just merged with a church uh, out of their church plant in Wheaton. Um, they're doing online ministry. We consulted with them, and they're really good friends of mine. And they're doing online ministry like day one when they open. Um, and they're getting better at it every week, but we're just going in going, guys, this is not rocket science. Like, I feel like, why am I, why are we the only ones that see this? And, uh, a really funny side story. We had a guy in our church who developed the back end for Siri and, uh, sold it to Apple. And so I'm guessing he did okay. Um, yeah. but he, he called life church to figure out, cause now we're working with beacon technology and geofencing and all this kind of stuff. And, so he calls Life Church to see if we might be able to like geofence into the Bible app. And while he's on the phone with him, he ha- he hacks into Life Church's back into their system. And he I think he was on the phone with Bobby Grunwald, who started Uversion. And uh, he starts telling them things about them that he shouldn't know. And they're like, how do you know that? He goes, well, I'm in the back end of your system. And they're like, what, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I hacked in the back end of your system. I'm reading all this stuff. And so just hilarious is like for like two months after that, like Groeschel and Grunewald like start liking all of our stuff on Instagram. But I know there was a conversation of like, why is some church in Ohio that we've never heard of able to get into the back end of our system? Um, but, it, but now it's like, and, and they're not trying to do anything we're doing. They're already doing it. But um, it's just interesting to me to see that. I think we've tapped into something that, because I think church in general has got to shift in the next five years or the church becomes massively irrelevant, um, yeah. massively irrelevant. And I think it's authenticity first. Um, and then meeting, if we're going to meet people where they are, we can say, well, the internet thing is Al Gore created and it's just a fad. Well, I think it's here to stay and I don't think it's going anywhere and we can either redeem it or resist it. And I would rather redeem it because that's where everybody is. And so, um, I'm just, I'm massively excited about what we're seeing happen in the online space because, Man, when we're seeing mass amounts of people get baptized and are willing to fly or drive across the country to get baptized at their church, I'm yeah. like, okay, something's happening. You know, that's incredible. So, yeah, um, that's incredible. Good for you. That's cool. I had somebody try to explain to me how you do your online 
your online stuff. And and they were like, okay, so he does this thing and he starts explaining it to me. But I'm not kidding you. Five seconds into it, I'm absolutely lost. I'm like, what are you talking about? This doesn't make any sense at all. And he's like, he's like, yeah, it's like it's like every phone is its own church. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you, know, you go in the bar and like it'll be there and you can get there. You can go over here. You can do it. I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. And he talks to people. Like, I'm like, you are drunk. I do. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, you this is you're talking. You're in the future. You're talking about the future. All right. We're not, but, that's yeah. not, but hearing you say it, yeah, man, that is really cool. That is really cool. Yeah, and so we're just we keep refining, refining, refining. I mean, excellence has to be there because uh, I mean the quality that people are watching things in right now. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I went and saw I went and saw Endgame, which I won't give any spoilers on here. But um, but if you're dumb enough to not watch it yet, you probably deserve to be spoiled. But. Um, <laughs> I went and watched that and I'm thinking I'm sitting in a theater where they ran and we, we buy ads in the theater and they run an ad on the, on the screen. And I'm like, and that just looks so high quality. Um, and then we want to record things on like, like our camera from four years ago and put that right. on the internet and think people want to be engaged with that. They're not going to. So yeah, you got to invest a little bit, but it's not as much as what people think. People think you got to spend a hundred thousand dollars to do online. Right. Um, honestly, you don't. Most of us have the technology sitting in our buildings, whether you're a church of 200 or a church of 20,000, most people have the technology and it doesn't take a lot. Um, and I, I think, honestly, I could be wrong about this, but I think Go back to this five years later, listen to this recording five years from now. Um, I think you're going to see that the trend is going to be, and I don't think it's trendy. I think it's just going to be reality is the church has to invade the online space. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't mean just like with cheesy YouTube videos. I mean, like we've got to invade with excellence this space. And uh, I think that's where real redemption is going to start happening in the lives of people. And I think they will gravitate towards brick and mortar, but I don't think it's going to look like what it looks like today. I just don't, right. you know, I don't think it'll be an either or, but I definitely think it's going to be a hard both and in, in the time period. So you, if we're, if we're talking to, if we're talking to some guys out there who um, maybe they're thinking, yeah, but Trevor, you're kind of a techie guy. Maybe, you know, a lot about this, this tech stuff. And uh, I don't really know a lot about that. Um, so yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't do any of that. I can't do any of that. Um, yeah. What do you what do you what do you say? What do you say to them? Uh, if you've got students in your church, you can do it. Yeah, they, they know every bit of it. Um, and, and I would say too, if there's resources you're looking for, um, <clears throat> they can they can email me or Joey Santos on my staff. I mean, jo- literally, Joey does, he he hasn't charged anybody anything, and we're giving out all this great free advice to churches. Um, which uh, we. I, I, this isn't about us making money. This is about people knowing Jesus. So um, if we can share some nuggets of wisdom with another church to help them get going, man, I just don't give a rip. Like I will give it all away. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, I mean, they pay, like if they bring him in, they bring him in, you know what I mean? But right. uh, while he's there, he's not charging for any of his mental capacity. He's like a plane ticket in a hotel room. He's good to go. Uh, right. Most of which we can do over Skype call with people. We do a lot of zoom calls, Skype calls, um, but I mean, there's so many like, sir, uh, extreme monkeys who we use for our stuff. Like life church has free open source, like backend stuff that you can do. I mean, it just doesn't cost it, it. When I tell you, it doesn't cost anything to start. It costs nothing to start. Right. Um, you know, and for the average guy that's like, Oh, I don't understand social media. Great. You don't have to. Cause you've got, if you've got 10 students in your church, I promise you they can run this. Um, you know, I, and I promise you, if you can't, then that's that's your job. Anyhow, empower people to do what they're good at. you got somebody in your church like well, we've got people now like we've opened a door of volunteerism with our chat rooms on Sunday morning and producing on Sunday morning. Uh, 
like these people didn't feel like they had a place in the church. And all of a sudden they're like, this is what I do all day long in IT. And now I can sit here and do this on Sunday mornings with my gift set. Right. Um, they don't like people anyhow. Right. So, but put them in a dark room with a computer <laughs> and they're exactly awesome. Right. You know right. what I mean? 100%. Uh, you've got, you've got people sitting in your churches, whether you're 50 or you're 5,000, that this is their gift set. And if they have the right direction, <laughs> some people like learn from us, like we've screwed so many things up. Like, let us tell you how not to do it. Um, yeah. I can tell you every way not to do ministry. I've screwed everything up that I can screw up. Um, and yet I'm still, I'm still surviving. So, <laughs> Um, you know, I'd rather tell you how not to do it. And so you can do it the right way. Um, and you don't spend money. You don't need to spend. Like there's all these places. I'll tell you, if you just spend $30,000, you have the greatest. Okay. You could spend $300 and have a pretty good online experience. So, um, but for me, it's most amount of people in shortest amount of time. So again, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Uh, one of the biggest places of, of fire is on the internet, you know that you just shared your own <laughs> yes, story. I mean, absolutely right. Yeah. And because of these stupid things we carry in our pocket, we have access to things we never had. When I was a kid, like talking about porn, man, when I was a kid, you had to work for it. Like you had work. To find, you had to find like a dad's magazine or a buddy's dad had a stash of movies or like today, literally, you don't have to, like you literally right. can put your phone and put earbuds in, and nobody even knows what you're doing. You yeah. Know? Right. Right. Um, so if we can redeem that space versus resist that space, I think the churches that resist anything online right now, um, they're they're starting to die a slow, painful death yeah. because they're going to be t- totally invalid to the culture around them in the next five years. And I think the other thing with the, that comes with that is small churches. I think a lot of people, a lot of people in small churches, a lot of ministers in small churches assume for whatever reason, whatever I have to offer to the world at large out there. Is probably minimal. I probably don't uh, have much. Yeah, that's such I a prob- rock. You know, my sermon, <laughs> my sermon, my music, my I don't know. I don't know that I really got much to to offer to put out into the into the into the uh, the digital world. You and know? what I say to that is, man, is like I I don't know if you feel this way. I feel this way. Like I, I my life could have gone a completely different direction in ministry, and because I never expected to be where I'm at doing what I'm doing. Right. Um, and I. I I'd be okay either way. Like I, I really would be, but just there, there's these things in life. Ministry's funny. It, you know, you got to have a little bit of like ability to do some of the things we do. You got to be able to preach. Uh, well, I say that there's some churches where I, I feel like they <laughs> might not care about that so much. Um, and that's large and small. Um, I hate the whole us versus them, large and small church conversation because mm-hmm. um I'm in this I'm in this Facebook group and I don't ever interact because I'll get in trouble and boot it out. But um, it, it's mostly preachers from smaller churches and that, man, they just come hard after mega church guys. Like just like I, I always want to jump in. I'm like, no, because then I just proves the point they're making. <laughs> um, but the other side of that coin is, is like as much as they're uh, like bashing on the mega church guys, man, I watch the guys church is much larger than ours, man. Their heartbeat is for the guy in the small church. Um, because you, you're in the trenches, you're, you're like, you're having to do stuff. I don't even have to think about during the day anymore. And, uh, and all for the sake of the gospel. And I think some of the best preachers, some of the best teachers, some of the best worship leaders, some of the uh, fill in the blank, whatever the role is, are sitting in churches of a hundred, 200, 300. Uh, and, and I think they have a lot to offer. And I think they ought to be, because there's digital now, you should be offering the gospel to as many people as you can. Right. Yeah. If you've got more than one follower on the internet, you've got a following. Uh, I right. mean, it, 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 it's most people have, 
you know, a hundred Facebook followers. Okay, great. Then start posting Facebook live videos. Like that's why I do it for my office on Sundays. There's people on my Facebook that I went to school with in high school, or I've known from other parts of my life that don't know Jesus. And that may be the only Jesus they ever see, but they, they chime in at, I don't know why they're on Facebook at seven 30 on Sunday morning, probably laying in bed with their phone above their face watching me. Um, but if I can bring hope, then I'm going to talk hope. Why do, why am I back in the blog world? Because and I got friends that read that that don't go to church. So, uh, man, if they get a glimmer of hope and they've been burned by the church in the last 25 years, uh, maybe they'll walk back in somewhere or they'll join our online campus. Um, that's an easy open door for people. Uh, you know, for me, it's like I, whether I was in a church of 10,000, 2,000, 200 or 20, um, I, I feel like God has given me a voice that's unique to the church and you do, too. And so to anybody listening to this, don't let anybody tell you, you don't and don't tell yourself you don't. Um, you have a perspective. God created you to be you, not to be somebody else. Uh, the most freeing day of my ministry is when I realized I didn't have to preach like any of the preachers I listened to all the time. Yeah. Because I listened to Matt Chandler and I listened to um, Francis Chan back in the day. And um, now I listen to guys outside of the Christian church movement, which uh, I'll probably get an email about that, too. But I listen to guys <laughs> like the belonging down in Nashville and um, I mean, just a lot of different places. And I, the most freeing day was when God told me, he was like, I've already created a Matt Chandler. I've already created a Francis Chan. I created you to be you. Stop comparing yourself to every other preacher. Preach the way I've called you to preach. I was like, oh, and that was also the day I was freed from. I don't save anybody. I'm not a savior. I'm I'm a mouthpiece. I'm not a I'm not the one that saves. Um, and I think if any guy listening to this that's in ministry, let me free you. You don't have to preach like anybody else. You don't have to lead your church like anybody else. Yeah. Lead your church and preach at your church the way God called you to preach and lead. Um, and then on top of that, realize you save nobody. So don't stress over how many people you have saved because you have saved nobody to date. And you will. Salvation is not yours to give or take away. It's just yours to lead towards. And and so I, I just those are so freeing for me in ministry to go. All right, cool. So now I get to be a rebel with a cause and I get out here and I just. I get to meet people that most pastors typically don't get to hang out with. I'm sure you're in that same boat. Yep. Um, I, I'm, I get more people from non-Christians than from Christians. Um, I'm jealous of my friends who are like, man, I'd like to be in ministry. I'm like, I'd like to be in the workplace because you guys are around it all day long. Like, I, I'm like, I'm around crazy church people all day. You're around just crazy people all day. I like crazy people, just crazy church people. Yeah. It's a different kind of crazy. Um, and, and I say that as a sweeping statement. We got a lot of great people in our church. I love my church. Right. Um, you know, I think Bob Russell told me early on, 95% of church is great. Um, 4% is okay. And 1% is downright nasty. Yeah. And he said, the problem is, is we focus on that 1% and forget that there's 95% that's amazing. And, fact. you know, and I, I think that's pretty true. I think those stats work out pretty, pretty close to true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, that, it's hard. It's going back to how this thing started. This what we do is hard and don't yeah. let anybody tell you that it's not. Um, don't let me tell you that, well, you only work on Sundays. Well, okay. Come shadow me for a week. Let's see how that works out for you. Um, right. Right. You know, uh, but, but in all reality, man, I, I think for what I want every pastor to hear, everybody that'll hear this podcast is, man, you're not alone. That's the first thing you need to hear. Like it, it doesn't matter the size of your church. Just you need, what you need is a circle of people around you that got your back. And I, uh, I would say the size of my church is not indicative on my success. Um, but the, the, the health of my soul is indicative on the group around me. And that group is very small, but it's very tight. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I know I'm not alone. I can pick up a phone at any point at any time of the day. And I've got somebody that I know has got my back explicitly. Yeah. And, uh, half of those are not in my church. The other half are in my church. And, um, 
And if you don't have a healthy eldership, one of two things, either figure out how to get the unhealth out of your eldership, or you're going to have to find another church. Um, <laughs> right. It's, it's just one of the two, because it's not, yeah. you're not going to shift them over like 10 years. It's just not, either you got to get the guys that are not healthy out of your eldership and get healthy guys in and start developing them, or you got to find another church. Um, right. I, cause I didn't give my life to church politics. I gave my life for helping people find Jesus. And if all you're in is church politics all day long, people aren't finding Jesus. So, um, yeah, it's a fact. That's a fact. You know, so I, I just know you're not alone if you ever need it and you're hearing this and just get on my yeah. website, email comes straight to me, email me, I'll walk through life with you. I would love to, um, as a matter of fact, I got a heart for pastors and, um, yeah. at 40 years old, I, I got a little I, I, less wisdom than I've probably ever had in my life, but I feel like I know more if that makes sense. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, well, one of the, one of the joys, one of the joys of, of, of kind of getting past some of those early, those early, uh, just run and gun ministry days and, and moving into the 40 is you tend to feel like, like, okay, now I feel like I have a voice. Now I feel like I've, I've, I've earned my, I've earned my right to speak and my right to talk about stuff. Not just, not just through the, you know, Paul and Timothy, let nobody look down on you because you're young, but now into the space of, you know, a blistered, I mean, I've, I've blistered in the sun a little bit working on, working on yeah. me, working on this church, yeah. investing in lives. So yeah. I've got a thing, I've got a thing that I can say. The beauty of it is, is when you get to that spot and you say, I've got a thing I can say, you also have the confidence to say, and you know what? That's not an area that I need to concern myself with. And that's not an area I need to concern myself with. Yeah. And this is, I need to turn the volume down on some of these people. I need to turn the volume up on some of these people. These are people I need to get very honest with. These are some people I need to keep a little distance on, you know, and on all that's okay. I appreciate, I appreciate everything you said uh, for, for listeners, just being able to focus in on, you know, don't, don't, don't get buried. Don't get buried underneath, you know, what could be a heavy, heavy load. If you're not careful, you know, you can yeah. really, really struggle underneath that. That's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very heavy, you know, and I, I think that's the weight most guys carry and you don't have to. And I think getting comfortable in your own skin is so key. Um, and then just not being scared to like, don't be a jerk, but don't be scared to tell people the truth when they need to hear. I mean, speak the truth in love. Um, but the, I think, what was it? Caleb, I don't know if you know Caleb Carlton Bach or not. Sure. He wrote a book called Messy Grace and Caleb is a good friend of mine. And, um, he talks about this tension between truth and grace. Um, there's like, he takes a rubber band and stretches it across his fingers, talks about this tension and, if all you ever have is grace, then you become very tolerant of anything. And if all you have is truth, you become very legalistic. But the tension between those two things is how you love people. Um, love is the tension. And I think you got to be graceful, but you got to tell the truth. And if you really love people, tell them the truth. And um, if you're really going to tell people the truth, then you better love them while telling them um, because that's where the grace has got to come in. Uh, but I think I think a lot of pastors are scared to tell the truth because they're scared they'll lose their jobs. And I agree. That's just a horrible space to live in, man. Like I, if I were scared, I'm going to lose my job for telling the truth, man, fire me. Cause I'll go find another job. Like I, I'd rather tell the truth and find another job. <laughs> but, but when you're, but when you're young and you get into that, you get into that place and you think, man, I just don't want that. I mean, I've been fired a couple of times and I'm telling you like getting fired were the greatest things that have ever happened to me. I mean, yeah, that but helped. The moment, to, oh, but in the moment, it sucks. It sucks. It's terrible. I mean, you're beat up. You you feel you feel like a failure. You know all yep. that stuff. But the other side of that brings so much more health and so much more you know, life to you. You know, to where you walk away and you think to yourself, "Man, I did not know how much pressure was on me, and I don't have that pressure anymore." 
I'm never walking back into a situation like that ever again. The minute I feel that pressure, I'm bouncing. I'm not doing it. I'm yeah. sticking around, you know? Yeah. Well, and when you're young, you don't know what you don't know, right? I mean, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you just don't know what you don't know. And that's why now I kind of bang, like Bible colleges ask me to come in and teach sometimes. And I'm like, let me tell you everything they're not going to teach you here. Because yeah. when I was in Bible college, they never gave me a class on. So here's what happens when you got an elder in your grill. Here's what happens when the church decides that they don't like you anymore. Here's yeah. a, like, like, let me just walk you through the hell of ministry so you can get like David <laughs> says, as I walk through the valley of the, the valley, not as I take up residence there and build a house. Um, <laughs> it, you know, you walk, you're going to go through it. it yeah. It's it's not if it's when. Um, but you got to keep going through. Don't take up residence in the, the, you know, the Gehenna of life. I mean, that's what he was talking about. The right. Gehenna Valley in Israel is what he was looking at. Uh, and it's like keep don't dwell there you got you gotta have to go through it everybody's got to go through it um but through is the key word like there yeah, there's yeah. another side to this and what you can't see at 20 what you can't see at 25 or 30 even 35 um, and what i can't see at 40 is what 60 is going to look like absolutely um, but it, i definitely at 20 could not see the crap i was going to have to go through to get to 40 and uh, and I thought some of these things are like these are not, gosh i'm never going to recover and god's like that's a blip bro like <laughs> You realize this is you're going to be so much better off in the long run if you deal with this now and not Absolutely. when you're 40. And Absolutely so, right. You know, that whole rip, and I know I, we heard all this stuff when we were 20. We're like those guys are idiots, you know. What, um, what a bunch of morons. Yeah, I'm not going to be that way. And you're like, crap, I'm that way. Dang it, you know. So, um, no man, thanks uh, for letting, thanks for letting me ramble through some of this stuff, man. No so, man, I appreciate it. This stuff is cathartic. I mean, it's 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 really good to hear somebody else kind of. You know, kind of dump their soul out a little bit on this kind of thing, and and I appreciate the encouragement. I mean, that's the, I mean, that's always the last question that I ask. You know, what do, you, how can you encourage other guys that are going to hear this? Um, yeah, people who are in ministry, who, man, bivocational, driving a bus, you know, being a plumber, doing construction, and and then trying to then trying to preach a sermon, and thinking to themselves like, man, I just don't. How do I get the time to do this thing? You know, I'm buried underneath this. You Bro, know? I don't. I like that right there. That's unsung heroes of the church to me, man. Like. The guys that are bivocationally, like they're working fifty hours a week somewhere else, and then they're preaching, and they're and they're probably slaying it when they preach, but they don't have the time to put into the the vision and strategy things that we get to do all day. Yeah, uh, and, and yet here they are, man, like helping people find Jesus. And uh, man, and there's I know there's probably people that would minimize one versus the other, but I'm like, man, for me, that guy's just as important as the stage I stand on on Sunday morning and preach. Uh, I get privileged to do what I do, but man, I, that guy for me is the guy that I'm like, I want to know that guy. Like yeah. I want to learn from that guy because he's doing something I, I'm not sure I could do. If I had to hustle, I could hustle. That's not a problem, but, right. um, but to go do what some of these guys are doing, I just, I, it blows my mind. And I'm like, that that's a guy I want to talk to. That's yeah. a guy I want to spend time with. Um, because that's the guy to learn from, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, because the av- honestly, the average church is not a mega church. And there's this we've done something stupid in Bible college. I know we're trying to get off this call, but uh, we've done something <laughs> stupid in Bible college where. And I don't think it's been intentional, but we've just planted the seed that unless you make it to this level, you're not really successful. And I, that's just that's just not true. That's just right. not a true statement. That's why when like when we got young, some young staff coming in. I have to remind them constantly, this isn't normal. Like this isn't, this isn't your normal church. Yeah, like, right. um, and honestly, mm-hmm. there's this, we're going to ruin church for you in a lot of ways because 
if you ever leave here and have to go somewhere that's not this size, you, you, right? Then all of a sudden you're not in your mind. This isn't successful. This is, and I'm like, that's just it's a crock. It's not true. Right. Um, I know churches of 200 that are healthier than churches of 3,000. Yeah. I know churches with pastors that are leading and preaching that are better preachers in churches of 200 than guys that are preaching on stages of 5,000 people. Um, your size is not indicative indicative to what God can do through you. Yeah. Um, and that's why the online space to tie that all in a bow. That's why this is so key because more people can hear your voice in a shorter amount of time than ever before. Um, and I'm probably talking more to the, like the middle-aged pastor that's sitting here going, man, I've been working 20 years and this is all I'm leading. Stop saying this is all I'm leading. This is what you get to lead. This is what you get to do. Um, be faithful with little. God will give you more. I promise you. Um, you know, and if I'm unfaithful, what he's given me, he will give me less. Like I just it's, you know, it, but don't let your more be indicative on the number of seats that are filled in your building. God has given you a voice. Use it. Use yeah. it. You don't have to be a bullhorn guy at the stadium to tell people turn or burn. Like, don't be that guy. That guy's an idiot. But right. you can get on the Internet and you can redeem instead of resist. And people will be excited to hear yeah. that voice. If we're really honest, like the guys that and I think the people you have on here are going to be real honest. Uh, but I think when we start getting honest as pastors, I think the world wants to hear. And um, I think that's why this is so keep doing this, man. This is important. And then when we kick off our, our Rebel Y'all podcast together, we'll just talk about I, all the rebellious I things. Got, I got an RSS feed with your name on it. So. <laughs> well, that's uh, that may actually be the same on my side of this screen right now. So um, <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, man, we need to we need to talk through that. That'd be fun. We'll do um, it. We'll do it. I, I mean, uh, uh, my phone number. My phone number's in your. My phone number's in an email. Awesome. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll hook up. Shoot me yours. We'll get together. We'll, we'll do it, bro. I love it. That's Trev, great. Trevor DeVace, Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Trevor DeVage, Thank you for joining me on the Homilist podcast, my friend. I appreciate it. Appreciate your insight. Appreciate your wisdom, your excitement, your energy. I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to getting with you again soon and thank you for listening to the homeless podcast a just a quick reminder i want to hear from you uh you got a guy or if you are a guy who has fought through some depression while in ministry would love to have a conversation with you love to know the things you've done to get through that to power through that uh the help that you uh, reached out and received um anything on the topic of depression if you know a guy or if you are a guy who has been in that place i would love to talk to you about that just a little bit we're gonna uh we're gonna work on putting together some special episodes on that and i think that would be extremely useful so reach out to me you can get a hold of me at the homilist at gmail.com that is the homilist at gmail.com thank you for listening to the season premiere with trevor devage this is the homilist podcast until next time see ya